This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Anna? Yeah? Do your Felix imitation. Start the show. <clears throat> I don't know if I can do a Felix. You're a one-of-a-kind <laughs> gem. All-star. <laughs> Needle in a haystack. Wait, Needle in a haystack. That's not a good thing, I don't think. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. <laughs> I'm Felix Contreras. Let the chisme begin. That wasn't an invitation of me. No, I know. You should try to do it like me. Let the chisme begin. <laughs> <laughs> had some pretty big names, Anna, come through for our takeover of Tiny Desk, El Tiny that we call. But I gotta say, I was quite impressed when we brought in vocalist Becky G. Yeah, you were. Right? She was great. She was so down to earth and she was more direct than I anticipated. Oh, yeah. And and, and in a way that the job that she had to do to perform and, and bring her voice and all of her presence was just like it turned on in a second it was just it was pretty impressive and it was like that the whole time oh it was like i mean the music was amazing but talking to her because we got to to actually sit down with her and it's like it felt like sitting in the sala with a prima like conversations around identity and all these things that we talk about all the time like she was able to illustrate that so perfectly she's clearly spent a lot of time thinking about it and that's one of the things that fascinates me is I'm a little bit older than you guys, okay? No. <laughs> but I'm always I'm always fascinated by how people, especially from the Mexican-American or Chicano or Mexican culture, uh, interprets their culture over time, right? The different generations. That always fascinates me. And Becky G reminds me of somebody coming up in, like, the 1970s, my era. Yeah. Right? It's like it's there's one foot in each world and wanting to represent in both worlds. But... Question for you, Felix, because, yeah, you didn't expect a question, did you? (laughs) To me, like, it's extremely refreshing to hear her speak about not only her two identities, but also, like, the the in-betweenness she feels around them with so much pride. That is her consistent theme. She is proud of every single part of herself, proud of the incomplete parts or the confusing parts, like all of it is pride. And I do think my generation, not to say you're from a different generation, but (laughs) hypothetically, my generation, like there is a little bit more of that energy. It's not consistent. It's not across the board, but I think people are generally open to talking about it more, a little bit more proud of it. Is that something that feels distinct from what you're ta- referring to, like, was there that same amount of pride? It does. Very good. You Thank nailed you. it. Yeah. Thank you. No, because I think that society is more open to the in-betweenness, okay, in, in a lot of different ways. But specifically, since we're talking about music, you know, there's. I keep saying these younger musicians are ignoring genres and boundaries and, and all the rules that are supposed to be there. And I came up in a time when... You know, Santana had to be one thing. Jose Feliciano had to be one thing. Those are the people I grew up with in terms of Latin music and and big stars. Now, we don't have to be anything. You can celebrate that Mm in-betweenness, which I think creates a whole different vibrant music scene. 
Well, and what's interesting about Becky is she is kind of like the perfect encapsulation of that shift and maybe even like arguably a representation of like that literal time frame moment when things started to shift and people started to embrace that because Crash Course on Becky, for people who don't know, currently she is one of the biggest Latin music stars on the map, period. But she started her career in the English-speaking market. Like, she tried the pop English-speaking world. She had a hit, I still love, we all still love, shower. But then it didn't quite work for her, and she pivoted, and it was, like, in this moment of deciding to be authentic, deciding to embrace herself and her Latinaness, her Mexicanness with pride, that's when she skyrocketed. So she is, like, this really interesting example of someone who is really rewarded for being authentic. And embracing their identity, which I don't know that we've had a ton of a history or precedent for that. And so I think that has created her and made her into this person who is able to stand there with pride because it worked. Let's stop talking about it. Let's listen, because the interview is is fascinating. I, I thought it was fascinating. It's a lot of fun. And we started out talking about her Tiny Desk performance. She had just finished. We did the interview right in front of the Tiny Desk set. You can see the interview and you can watch her performance on October 13th as part of our presentation of El Tiny. But for now, here's her interview. Let's check it out. Los dos sabemos que ha llegado el día Pararía el tiempo en tu cama We're sitting here with Becky G, who just did, <laughs> can I say amazing? Yeah. Thank you. Amazing Tiny Dust performance. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. We, I think Felix and I had more fun. We yeah. were, we were really vibing. It was so, it was like a contagious energy in the room, and it felt so wholesome. Like I was looking around, and everybody was smiling. So I think there's not one moment in the performance, or like in between the songs, where I wasn't like, "Let's go." <laughs> I think See, wholesome is the perfect way. To it felt them. so just yeah. like, ah, oh, like a warm hug. And my secret is I stand in the back. No one can see me. I do my little dance. You do your little dances? Yeah. I don't I was, know. I think I, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see that. You guys don't. Nobody wants to see that. Let's talk about your new record it's coming out. Esquinas. Yes. It leans heavily into Mexican regional. And then you featured Mexican regional in Coachella recently when you brought out yes. Peso Pluma. Mm -hmm. Blew the place away. Thank right? you. And the music is having a moment right now. Right? It is. So what is it about the music that speaks to you? You know, it's so crazy to me that three years ago, I sat down with my record label and I said, I'm going to do my regional Mexican-inspired album. Like it or not, I had no idea that this boom was going to happen. And we started recording records two years ago, and it's been such a soulful experience for me because I think since I was a young girl, it was always a dream of mine to do a, a regional-inspired album. And it's funny because I did every other genre, Y mis abuelitos siempre me decían, ¿y cuándo la música regional, mija? And for those who don't know, I started off as a rapper. So my grandma, on my mom's side especially, she would always be like, ay, mija, pero te escucho tan enojada. <laughs> and like, I'd be like, oh, grandma, because I got stuff to say, you know? And uh, finally, the moment that I decided that I was ready to really throw myself at this album and just fully commit to the creative process was when my, my papi, my grandpa on my dad's side, Miguel Gomez, passed away and I'm so lucky that I had all four of my grandparents 
so present in my life. I mean, they also helped raise all of us. You know, it takes a village. My grandma refers to us as her little pueblito all the time. <laughs> and um, I think losing him, you know, and gaining him in, in, as an angel in heaven was just kind of like that extra guidance that I needed as an artist to just really do something for myself. I think it's, it's fun to do things for fun, but it's different when you're doing things to kind of connect with the part of you that is so deep and yeah it, it exactly what i said it was a soulful experience for sure Did you sing differently? Oh yeah. I think you'll hear on the album, there's definitely a different vocal that is demanded of you as an artist when you're singing on regional music. And I think it's because it's it's the acoustics. It's it's an organic sound, you know? You, you can't fake it. You can't create it. You just play it and you sing it and that's that. And a lot of the songs were written that way, just us hanging out in the studio. Someone picks up the guitar, there's a little bit of tequilita going around. And the next thing you know, everybody's having a therapy session. And, you know, and it's beautiful. Like, it's, it to me, that's like, that's how I grew up, you know. Um, family carnasadas, sometimes right. there'd be like a trio or conjunto that they would like hire or a mariachi. And I was always a little girl that was like on top of the table, like singing the songs. And my tios would be kind of, you know, already one too many and like, otra vez, the same song, like five times. Um, but yeah, so it just felt very familiar in, in the best way. So this album is going to be the same song five times? Um, actually not. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of, uh, well, I think what's so cool about regional Mexican music is that there's so many subgenres. And the reason why I named it Esquinas was because I always identified as a 200%. And I would say I'm not, you know, this side of the streets that raised me or that side, I am the corner where, you know, the cross streets where two flags meet, two cultures meet, two languages meet. And I say 200% because I remember, you know, you're 50% this and 50% that, half and half. And I never liked that. It, it made me feel like I had to give up a part of myself to be accepted on this side and then give up another part of myself to be accepted on that side. And I was just like, no, I'm 100% proud to be born and raised in Inglewood and to be from California, but I'm also really proud of my Mexican roots. No se va a poder, I'm sorry, but that's, that's a, an amazing way to think about it. Because growing up Mexican-American, Chicano in California, same thing. But it was always 50-50. Mm-hmm. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that 200%. You don't got to steal it. It's yeah. yours. Yeah. It's been ours. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We, like... Felix and I talk about this a lot because, you know, we talk to a lot of artists who who do represent both parts in many different ways. And I think something we found really striking is you talked about with your Coachella performance, you originally planned something with like bringing out a low rider. You very like yes. often talk about repping mm-hmm. Inglewood, the Chicano culture that goes along with that. But you decided to go with something else because you mentioned that you didn't really want to, you know, lean into Mexican stereotypes in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And so we find that really interesting because, like, how do you balance personally wanting to represent who you are and where you came from, but also, like, trying to be this universal Mm. Latina who is representing this image for everyone and and trying to be authentic? Like, where do you land with that? Yeah, I think uh, it's all instinct. And sometimes you do have to challenge yourself. And I think that 
I identify so much with who Becky from the block is and was, and she will always be within me. But also, Becky's not on the block as often. She's traveled the world, you know, and she's gotten to learn about different cultures and go to different countries and meet different people. And I was thinking about how massive the Coachella stage is as far mm -hmm. as, you know, it's a, it's a global platform. And I wanted to represent my Mexican heritage in a way that would be striking to everyone. And there's a reason why I chose the color Mexican pink. There's a reason why mm -hmm. I chose Tres Luce Blue. Um, there's a reason why, you know, even the architecture of the stage was inspired by Mexican architects. So it's like, for me, it was kind of taking it and making it this like elevated experience. And I, I say that the debut of Casa Gomez, which is the, the, the concept of the tour was at Coachella. And so now we get to take Casa Gomez to cities near everybody uh, here in the States. And, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's very intentional for sure. Always done with so much love. And we'll be back to this interview with Becky G right after this. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. And we're back to our interview with Becky G. You have obviously worked with a ton of incredible women in the industry, like Matina Thatcha, Carol G, and you're you're kind of, honestly, a, one of the first people who has really pushed in the way that you have to consistently collaborate with women. Where did that come from? Like, where, what in you said, this is where I'm going to be? I think it comes from a lot of different places. I think, uh, if I think about it from just, a, like, a human side, um, I'm the eldest of four kids and I was always taught that sharing is caring <laughs> and you know it everything tastes better when you can share it you know and and I think that when you then put that in an industry like the one we navigate especially as women and then women of color it's it's a lot of the time lonely and there's not a lot of people who can relate to the sacrifice and the hardships and the loneliness that that can be sometimes. And so who better to share in that success and in that light with than other women who really get it and who really appreciate it. I 
I feel like I have sisters for life, you know, and, and the way that I've gotten to just bond and learn from a lot of the amazing women that I've, I've had the opportunity to to collaborate with. And, and that's just kind of like my approach. I think there's a lot of people who talk about girl power mm-hmm. and, and that's great. But I think to act on it is, is a whole other thing, you know. What do you learn about yourself when you do that? And, and what do you learn about the other women that you work with? Um, that we can all shine. You know, I think the industry and especially like in Latin media, it's always like, how can we pit people against each other? How can we create some kind of chisme that gets the people talking? And in reality, it's like my real competition is myself, who I was yesterday. How can I be better today? And so I, I find it like the least threatening to be around other talented women. I actually find it the most inspiring. Carol actually the other day invited me to, to sing. She's having a stadium tour and she invited me to sing in my hometown of L.A. And we sang our song Mommy and it was incredible. And it was so sweet because she took me literally by the hand like a big sister and was like showing me around and and I let myself I let myself enjoy that. I never had a big sister, you know, so for her to be so kind and to invite me and to share in that moment and kind of just tell me like you can have this too like this, this I, I believe you can do it like that. That's beautiful. Like I think we need more of mm. that. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a lot about your family and the role that they play yes. in all of this. My abuela is here today. I know you talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so say hi, Lita. Um, I know you, Lita too? Yeah. I <laughs> um, I know you talk a lot about your Lita. So what have they, especially the women in your family, mm-hmm. how have they shaped this approach that you have? You know, it's for me, it's it's a bit of a bittersweet experience. I think I, I learned so much strength from the women in my life, but almost from a place of them almost being too selfless. And I always wish that they would give the same love that they give to everyone else around them to themselves. Yeah. And I think that's when I realized like I wanted to be the difference and I wanted to show them that like we deserve that. We deserve to hold space for ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to also be celebrated and to be championed. And so it, it was for me, I think that like the strength that they carry as women, the pueblito that they created is like some of, you know, their proudest moments. And so I, I take that with me everywhere I go. Becky, this is so crazy because my mom, who's also here, we had like a three hour conversation about, about this? this like two days ago. <laughs> like literally yeah. I was like, you guys taught me that love is sacrifice and sometimes it is, but you also have to mm-hmm. care about yourself. Yeah, like, 100%. Because that's what you grow up watching. It's yeah. like, oh, how can I be more selfless, more selfless, mm-hmm. give more to the family? And I love that We you can't said pour that. from empty cups. And I think oh. that's everybody. Our, a lot of our men, a lot of our women, or whatever we identify in, as, as our inner culture, I think it's it's a lot of that. It's We're giving and giving and giving. It's like, when do we take? When can we just have and own? You know? And I, I love that. I love that there's a generation that can go out into the world and say, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. I work hard for this. Mm-hmm. And not feel guilty about yeah. it. That's what I was going to say. It's probably generational. Because my mother was like that. Mm-hmm. Same way. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and reflecting on how she carried herself like that. But I like that idea again. like that idea of changing that yeah. attitude a little bit. It's like yeah. the idea that it's like, oh, we all actually just want to see each other be happy yeah. and be loved. Before we go, I have to ask you about one song. I don't know, it's just something about you. Got me 
mention your name. I'll be feeling as if I'm around you. I actually audibly squealed. My manager can tell you when I saw the set list come through and I saw you're gonna perform shower. Yes. So <laughs> because the middle school girl in me, I'm like, I am the demo. Like that was the moment. What is your relationship with that song now? Oh, it's beautiful. It's like so crazy to think that like my younger self had such a learning curve with that song. It really, I mean, it took me to so many countries and like places and spaces to like learn as an artist. And then to get that opportunity again almost 10 years later is is mind-blowing and to still feel super young and like I'm still learning and I'm still figuring things out um, it just feels like I get to grow up with everybody and that's like it's nice it feels beautiful yeah can you tell me that story you were telling us last night at rehearsal oh yes oh my god it was so funny okay so <laughs> I was saying how it's it's a bit of a switch up to come into a tiny desk uh, situation because it reminded me a lot of like when I first started I would go to a lot of radio stations and it would just be me and a guitar player and I would sing my songs acoustically live for like fans you know winners in the audience and I remember there would be times where I'd be so like engaged with everyone and I would forget my lyrics and I'm like I wrote this song like how did I forget <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is a thing one time I remember very clearly I was singing shower and the, the he starts it and everything and I'm like I don't know it's just something about you I don't know it's just something about you I don't know it's just something about and I'm looking around like oh what are the lyrics and I just kept saying I don't know it's just something about you and it was the funniest thing I was like watch me forget the lyrics tomorrow guys like that would be hilarious we'd have to start all over again oh I really wish you yeah. had honestly though it's like at, that, at this point like I was so locked in and so engaged with everyone and I saw everybody mouthing it too so it helped me <laughs> it was a highlight it was, it was, yeah it was yeah, really special yeah. it was so special I had so much fun you light me up inside like a fourth of July whenever you're around I always seem to smile and people ask me how you're the reason why I'm dancing in the mirror and singing in the shower Okay, we're talking about growth and development of yourself. What have you learned about yourself? What kind of things have surprised you? What kind of things have popped up as you've been doing this and getting to the point where you are now from where you started? Oh, it's been such a beautiful journey. And I think for me, I just think about like the power of faith and like just really believing in your dreams, believing in yourself. Because I look at where I come from and who I come from and there's all these like things that helped make this magic potion of this little, you know, brown girl growing up in Inglewood saying, I could do it. I could do it. And there's so many things actually that's probably said, you can't, you're mm -hmm. not supposed to, mm -hmm. you know, but I never, I never believed that. And I think it has so much to do with, like I said, that strength that I come from in my family and just knowing the, the, the power that we hold as people to be able to make something out of nothing. You know, my grandparents came from Mexico to the United States with, not a penny in their pocket and the clothes on their back. And to see that I'm now one of 19 grandchildren on my mom's side and some grandbabies now and one of 15 on my dad's side and some great grandbabies now, it's like, it's so amazing. Like we're all just living life and growing. And, and today I think what inspires me is kind of reconnecting back to my younger self and remembering that, 
okay, 15-year-old Becky's, you know, dreams have come true. She never dreamt bigger than this. So now it's my responsibility for myself to go out into the world and keep dreaming. That was a lot of fun. I look forward to interviewing her again someday. But also, more importantly, I look forward to how she's going to grow and develop and express everything that she talked about even more. Spoken like a true tío. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for now. You've been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. Our audio producer for this episode is Isabella Gomez Sarmiento. Our show editor is Hazel Sills, and the woman who keeps us on track is Grace Chung. Our jefe in chief, Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. <laughs> in this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR.